First thing every day, today is no exception, giving thanksgiving, praises, asking for blessings from the Most High, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders, and getting it going. Hello, <laughs> happy, 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 happy talk a radio day, which is every day around here, 800-920-1580. Hopefully you have it down by now and you, you got us on speed dial because you are welcome in every hour of this show, and this is how we do it. The first first hour, we look to the left coast. What's going on around here in Cali? Hour two, we go national, international, and beyond. And in the third hour, we do a deep dive with a person or persons of interest, looking forward to those conversations. Uh, we have partners in politics, both of our first hours today. So looking forward to hearing from you right now and later, 800-920-1580. It also happens to be Wealth Building Wednesday. This is when we focus on a BIPOC, a women-owned, a black-owned business that is in need of a little love. Well, we all are as business owners. We focus on socially innovative, all kinds of businesses that deserve our attention with a particular focus on recycling black dollars, especially this month, as we're in the midst of what we call Black Xmas. So that's what we do around here. And I know that you know this, but we do have an app. If you haven't got it on your phone yet, I hope you'll download it. It's KBLA 1580. You can get it free at the App Store, the Google Play Store, or wherever you, well, get stuff like that. I think it's pretty much the app store and the Google play store. Just type in KVLA one five eight Oh, and you will find us, download us, help us make you stronger and you make us stronger. Really excited to welcome in as my partner in politics today, very much in keeping with the spirit of wealth building Wednesday, an LA native an entrepreneur, master gardener, author, community advocate, he also is the founder of the Black-Owned and Operated Community Land Trust and the CEO 
and founder of Lamert Park Village's Soul Folks, which is a nonprofit retail hub dedicated to cultivating Black entrepreneurship and creativity through innovative programming, mentorship, and financial support. Akil West, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Me. Well, thanks for being here. It's much appreciated. You um, are very visible in Lamert Park, which is, of course, where we broadcast from on this radio station under the banner of Soul Folks. But I'm not sure people understand all that Soul Folks is. You kind of look at it, oh, it's a business. But explain the concept and what Soul Folks really is. So Soul Folks is a, it's a retail store that is more or less like a campus. You know, in that space, we have uh, about 60 different black designers from all over the United States. But most of them are Los Angeles natives. And um, they're young people from the ages of 19 all the way to, like, 40. And um, what we do is we, we created a really beautiful space, and we wanted to kind of, like, create a space that could reach the, uh, the masses. Um, and uh, the space also has, like, a upstairs we have a community space that, has everything from DTG machines, heat transfer machines. These are machines that they can actually ideate and create product, work side by side with each other, learn how to um, how to work collaboratively, and um, learn the actual learn the actual consumer. Um, as a co-op, their um, their goal is to come in and sell their product, but not only sell their product, but sell other people's product as well. And because of that, the percentages that we take is really low because that means our cost is cut down. And then their percentages are really high because they work together to purchase product in bulk. And so those are the things that we're trying to teach our community is collaboratively coming together to form businesses and work together to cut costs. Some folks would wonder, why put that at Lambert Park? You know, why not put it in Beverly Hills, Melrose, or someplace where you would probably be guaranteed more customers? Yeah, yeah. You know, my, you know, I've, I've lived in Lamar Park you know, since I was 12 years old. Um, my first business I opened up in Westfield used to be called the Fox Hills Mall um, at like 18, 19 years old. And then I opened up a space over in the areas you're talking about, which was um, like Six and Librea area, Beverly Hills adjacent. And I, I did see a lot of uh, a lot of customer, a lot of walking traffic, but I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me um, up in there, unless they were like celebrities coming in to support. And you know that was always good, but um, you know I got caught up in the, in the '90s listening to the music, watching television shows and movies that was telling us to get up out of the hood. Um, and I thought that everything on that side was like the best thing to do. Um, you know, go to Melrose, go to these places. So I've opened up restaurants, coffee houses, clothing stores, all in those places. My first restaurant was across the street from Saks Fifth Avenue. I understood, you know, what that looked like and what I felt like, but I realized I was also just trying to emulate and getting approval from other people. Um, eventually, you know, um, I got into some trouble and I went to prison. And while I was in prison, I did 15 years. And while I was there, I would meet a lot of young people 
who was interested in opening up coffee houses, restaurants, clothing stores, and things of that nature. And um, I decided to sit down and have conversations with him. Got tired of having these silo conversations, so I wrote a couple of books. One is called Entrepreneur's Guide to the Money. One is called uh, Dubious Debt. And the other one is called uh, Secrets to A1 Credit Simplified. And when I started writing these books, these kids started purchasing these books. We started having meetings inside of uh, the, the, the law library in the prison. And um, when I started getting ready to come home, I was like, look, I need to create a space for them to be able to get access to funding, um, retail space, all these type of things. And so I just decided in that moment to open up a space when I got home in my neighborhood where they could see people like me actually doing what we're supposed to do and giving them the uh, mentorship that they deserve. And so that's what I did. So when I came home, you know, the Merck Park was always my hub, History Dicks, uh, the Elephant Walk, um, the world stage. So I remember seeing, you know, black men and women opening up businesses, dressing really fly, playing chess, um, just being on point. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to provide a hub just like that in our community. And just so happened, I opened up the space during, um, uh, 2020 during the pandemic when we finally realized that picketing is just not enough, that we also have to go into our pockets and, uh, protest you know, financially. And so it was just a perfect storm to open up this store in the heart of the pandemic when people really realized that their dollars count. And since we're the largest consumers, we might as well put that money in, 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 our, in our artists and our designers and our retail spaces in our community. How do you view where we are right now in Lamert Park? I mean, how do you see it in terms of development, in terms of the presence and thriving of black people, the impact of gentrification. If you were going to do a state of the park, what would you say? I'm excited. You know, I'm, I'm truly excited uh, to see the development. I'm, I'm truly excited to see that um, the black businesses in Lamar Park aren't at each other's throat, that they are coming together for a common cause. I'm excited to see that uh, our elder Sika uh, and our elder Queen Amina is finally able to get the uh, the energy from the young entrepreneurs that they tried to get for for decades, and to see that we're actually um, putting our heads together to come up with with solutions to these problems instead of always complaining about it and you know pointing at other people to fix our issues. Uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited that we, uh, as business owners, decided to come together to actually purchase a property that's been in blight for all these years that was owned by somebody that did not look like us, that had no uh, cultural connection, and didn't care if we were there winning or if we were there losing. Um, I'm happy to see that organizations that I founded um, came together with community members to now purchase and own the building that they lease. I'm happy that we're about to actually develop a new space uh, to provide more access to uh, retail spaces that's, that's going to be at below um, uh, market rate for the vendors to be able to now come up off the street, move into a retail brick and mortar, and you know operate their businesses. 
um, I'm disappointed that city officials didn't properly uh, plan. And I know it wasn't just, it wasn't their fault. You know, there was a lot of things that was pushing them back. A lot of, um, uh, you know, I I just, I'm upset that the um, construction phase wasn't properly planned where there was some financial um, assistance to the businesses. You're talking about the construction right there on Degnan? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of construction going on uh, on Degnan. Needed construction. I mean, this is not. I mean, the sidewalks was 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 terrible. You know, people in wheelchairs were you know in in danger. You know, people stumbling and hurting themselves. There's lawsuits. There's all types of things because you know I guess in the 30s when they planted these trees, they had to deal with China or something like that. And the trees that they actually put there, the roots wouldn't have normally gone in any street. Uh, any sidewalk like that because it was known to tear up like like the sidewalks and things like that so they finally fixed these these sidewalks and that caused a lot of disruption for us you know a lot of businesses closed down uh, a lot of people um had to fire employees so folks we went from doing you know really great numbers to really really low numbers and you know we have about like i said 60 different designers that really depend on the traffic that we had in Lamar Park and so now we're figuring out other ways to uh, to uh, combat this. And um, so, yeah, um, but I see the state of, of what's going to be taking place, man. I, I, I see the process, but, you know, I'm hoping that everyone can maintain doing those things. And as the treasurer of the Lemur Park Merchant Association, it's my job to go and try and find resources through the city, through um, financial support, through uh, financial institutions, uh, CDFIs like Vermont Slauson and, um, you know, different corporations to try and assist us in these areas. Well, I love that. It kind of tracks with what I've been seeing or what I've been feeling, which is that, yes, there's gentrification, there's encroachment, there are Mm -hmm. challenges, but I also see this incredible pushback from folks like Mm -hmm. yourself and others Black people buying mm-hmm. businesses, opening stores, expanding our footprint, buying property, even as other folks come in and seem to be buying up the neighborhood as well. I feel like it's a more mm-hmm. vigorous pushback than what we might have seen in places like Washington, T.C., certainly San Francisco, where I'm from, where there's almost mm-hmm. no black folks left. I just don't mm-hmm. think black Angelinos are going away that easy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're going to go away that easy, but I, I, I also believe um, if we if we try to assimilate and we start to ostracize our um, our people, you know, uh, in Lamar Park, you know, you have, you have a lot of people that have issues with, like, vendors vending in the community. And, yeah. you know, it's, and, and and that that to me is a touchy subject for me because a lot of the business owners started off as vendors and ended up graduating into brick and mortars. Mm. And, hold that you know, thought, hold we, that thought, Akil West. It's a great topic. I want to dive a little deeper into that because I know that is an issue that should be addressed. And you're welcome to get in on the conversation, my delegation, 809-20-1580. We're talking with Akil West only right here. 
Reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More first things first with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now, Akil West is on the phone. Hopefully soon you'll be in the building. You're going to have to come back when I'm back and hang out a little bit. But I have heard a lot about this from both vendors and merchants. Some of the merchants who have brick and mortar stores feel like the vendors are setting up in front of them on the sidewalks or around the corner, constantly closing off the street for these endless festivals that we have in Lamert Park and that it's cutting down their business um, and making it impossible for them to sustain those leases. You were saying that's not fair because some of them started as vendors and moved up. And I feel like we welcome vendors in many other parts of the city. We welcome vendors who aren't black, but at the same time, I respect the investment that those stores have made in the community. And I want to, you know, give them weight for that as well. How do you see it? I, I think you're absolutely correct on all of those points. You know, um, I think it's really about, um, one is respect. And then there's some laws that's been, you know, placed where you can't be, you have to be 10 feet away from a business. You have to, um, you have to be permitted. You shouldn't be in front of, you should be selling Jamaican patties in front of a Jamaican restaurant. You shouldn't be selling <laughs> African garments in front of Queen Amina. You shouldn't be doing nose piercings in front of Sika, you know, um, and, and you shouldn't be selling hip hop clothing in front of Sophos, you know, for the lack of better words. But those, those are the things, you know, it just takes, it takes uh, a community and collaboration and create some type of, uh, some type of order. And we started that, you know, uh, the brother Billion, um, who's, uh, He's uh, the co-founder of Africatown. You know, he fought hard to make sure that, you know, these single mothers were able to come out here and sell their product free and clear of, you know, harassment. Um, at the same time, you know, um, you know, Queen Amina, who's the Merchant Association, you know, she was very uh, um, instrumental in assisting those same women um, through organizations like ours and black owned and operated and so folks, uh, with the sister, uh, Jennifer, who was helping getting people properly permitted. And we felt as though if they're properly permitted and they learn the rules of engagement on how to actually do this, we can kind of eliminate some of those issues that we have. Um, one of the big problems is parking in the Mer Park. You know, you can't bend in the park because of, uh, city ordinances. And you can't vent in Lemur Park because the uh, Lemur Park family who gifted this park said they didn't want any commerce in the park. So there's no, no there's no vending in the park. There's no vending on People Street, which is a closed off area, because that same those same rules apply. So I, I talked to uh, Heather Hutt, and we talked about the actual parking, the parking a lot. Council member. Uh, the, yes, the councilman, uh, council member. We talked about the parking lot behind. Um, the Vision Theater as an option. And if we can, you know, stop marketing and creating um, uh, proper space and uh, provide the resources to um, let people know that this is happening um, and, you know, really make it happen, I, I believe it's a win-win for everybody. Because to be honest with you, uh, most stores, most retail stores, the day we make the most money 
is on Sunday, and that's the day that the vendors are out creating an environment that people are coming to shop. And so it's a win. It's, it's a it's a um, you know, it's it's, it's a complicated situation, and yeah. I understand everybody's um, issue. So it sounds like those festivals don't necessarily have to be a detriment to the businesses. As someone who lives on the west side of South LA, a lot of times I'm like, oh, it's Kwanzaa Festival. I ain't going over there because it's going to be too crowded. I'll go shop a different day. Uh, but mm -hmm. you're right that it does bring people in, in droves, i.e. Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. And hopefully those people mm -hmm. are also mm -hmm. patronizing the brick and mortar businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so yeah, we, we do have, we do have a number of festivals, but a, a lot of the, a lot of the things that are happening in the mud park aren't, they're, they're not sanctioned festivals, you know, like just setting up on Saturday and Sunday and, you know, lining your van up to block traffic. Um, that's not, one, it's not safe uh, because fire department can't get in in case of emergency. We've witnessed that uh, before. Um, you can't let vehicles in on the road. You know, it's, it's just not dangerous. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not safe to have that type of atmosphere in the community. And we can't just uh, all of a sudden decide because this is something that we think is tradition that we're going to do this and we don't have a plan uh, of exit for elderly issues when people are collapsing or, you know, uh, a kid get hit by a car and we can't get a vehicle through. Uh, we got the police trying to chase, you know, um, uh, we had an incident where there was a GTA and the, and the guy pulled into Lamar Park uh, because he knew it was going to be hard for the police to come through. Uh, uh, and that could have that could have been dangerous, you know. And then well. when, the, when the guy when the guy parked, the community members was like, why are y'all in here? But we didn't know that this guy was actually coming in because he was looking at it as a safe haven, you know. So those right. are the type of things that I mean, that, that, that is dangerous. And there's mm -hmm. multiple problems with that. That's another show for another day. I don't think police should be chasing mm -hmm. people uh, where mm -hmm. actual civilians are. We want to go mm -hmm. to Quamel, though, from Gardena. I know you don't have enough time. We've got news, traffic, and sports, but let's get you in, get you started, and we'll continue on the other side. Hi, Quamel. Uh, yes, peace. Uh, I wish I wish you were back in town, um, uh, so so that the uh, the YouTube was popping. Uh, but but uh, I, I, I had to call in. Yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. But anyways, uh, <laughs> brother, I kill. I know we we uh, we met back when you know back when I was when I was eighteen. You were twenty. Um, and I, and I see what you got going on with soul folks. And I'm like, you know, and, and, and to hear a lot of the story that you're telling, I'm like, wow. Um, it's, it's give it's giving me hope and inspiration, like, uh, for the, for some of the ideas I've had and, you know, kind of that, kind of, that, you know, time being down, even, even though I wasn't in the, in the joint like that. But, um, what, what, one thing I did want to throw out there and maybe you could kind of speak to this, uh, is, the idea of, of capital um, for different different uh, business ventures you want to try, um, whether it's one or multiples, um, you kind of like to talk about like the, the capital barrier and, and how to, and how to get it if if you might have been you know either down for a while or, or the credit uh, isn't exactly the most sterling. Um, I, I figure you I figure you've been there before, so maybe you could kind of speak to that a bit. I love that question, and we will hit it up when we come forward. After news, traffic, and sports, 
on KBLA Talk 1580. At KBLA Talk 1580, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate you. you. Thank you for turning us on this year. Happy holidays. holidays. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. And I do appreciate you waking up with us. 800-920-1580 is the number Quamel from Gardena called. And you can do the same. Quamel talking about how to get those resources to get a business up and running and have the entrepreneurial opportunities as a person who's had challenges with their credits or in the case of Akil West actually did a substantial amount of time incarcerated. And Akil, it's a great question that uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Yeah, in, in, in terms of the, uh, your, your credit, Quamel, you know, uh, you know, like I said, I wrote a book called Secrets to A1 Credit Simplified, which is a good book. And then in terms for like, like funding, um, I wrote another book while I was there called Entrepreneur's Guide to the Money. And there's a lot of resources there. But Right now, the, the way that you can also start working on your credit, uh, we partner with an organization called Mochify. And Mochify is an organization that um, it's like a financial institution where you get a credit card, right? And even if you have bad credit and, you know, it's not doing, you know, you're not doing really well, you can, as you pay your rent, most people pay their rent, most people pay, take care of their cars and things like that. You can add, what, what they do, if you pay your, your rent with this credit card, it adds to your, your, your credit, and it goes to your FICA score. Uh, it goes to, like, uh, all of the major uh, credit bureaus, and it, it kind of shows that you've been paying, you know, uh, a bill consistently, which is great. And then uh, we also partner with an uh, uh, organization called TMC Capital, where we're going to be giving out microloans. And these, these microloans of, like, 5000 to $10,000 to help small businesses uh, existing small businesses. We're talking about vendors and uh, small shops and people who are even um, interested in um, operating, like uh, creating a brick and mortar. We're going to be giving out grants uh, and and small loans uh, to those people, and they don't have to have an extensive um, financial financial records. Um, this is designed to kind of like upstart them to get them um, to start paying these these uh, these loans, so they can get into the the queue for like. $20,000 loans and uh, $50,000 loans. And then there's a, another organization called Vermont Slauson, which is a CDFI. And what they do is they connect you with like um, someone to actually walk you, hold your hand through the process, get you, get you uh, um, an attorney to help you uh, file for your, uh, your, your, uh, your licenses, to look at your leases, just all the things that you are probably going to have issues with, hooking you up with a CPA, someone to help you with your with your your credit. I'm I'm sorry, with your um, with your taxes to make sure you're 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 loanable. Um, and then um, you know, there's another book that I'm 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 writing right now that I'm finishing up. That I, I partnered with a young lady, a uh, young illustrator, 16 year old girl. There's a children's book called Little Bitty Bosses, and this book. Um, kind of like details a young girl who started uh, selling candy at school and began to create this this empire where she started hiring her family. It's a really good book, and it explains everything from the beginning to the end in ways that we can understand um, as an adult and even as a child. So um, those those are the things that I have to um, answer that question. Mm. The um, Mochify 
credit card that you talked yeah. about, where would a person find mm -hmm. that? Because that's a relatively new trend, right, of yeah. connecting um, our rent and our bills to credit reports. Before that, you had to buy a home or have a credit card, which people couldn't get. Mm -hmm. It creates a paradox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so um, I, I, I let me find it real quick while you guys talk. I'll, I'll find that information. Okay, Kwamel, you got a follow-up here? Okay, thanks, Kwamel, for the question. Um, I think it's a great point because a lot of folks, when they come out of incarceration or have crappy credit, just kind of give up and feel like they can't start a business. But starting a business is really a way forward for many people who are incarcerated because if you're your own boss, you won't discriminate against yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, you just go to mochafi.com. How do you spell that? Uh, M -O yeah, M-O-C-A-F-I.com. Mochafi.com. That's good. Good, good stuff. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. talk to me about the land trust. I think that mm -hmm. this is part of the movement that I was talking about when it comes to the pushback on gentrification and the fact that I have observed a circling of wagons among black people in LA, which I find mm -hmm. very encouraging. Talk to me about what the community land trust is and what land trusts even are. Okay. So, you know, while I was in prison, I, I saw what was happening in Ferguson and I saw how we was just destroying our community um, and in the spirit of uprising. And I, I just saw the aftermath every day, just seeing how people didn't have their grocery stores anymore, the gas station was gone, all those different things. And I just started researching, like, how can, you know, the community take ownership and have a stake? And one of the things I found out uh, through my, my little research, my limited research I was able to do while I was in prison, was I saw that there used to be a sharecropper in, in Georgia, and he was going through it with the city who was trying to take over his land. And he picked up this um, this method uh, from from some people in Israel where they created a land trust to keep this particular community in the hands of that community that was in Israel. A lot of so he decided. Yes, yes. So, so the first uh, community land trust was actually done by a black sharecropper in Atlanta. And that land trust basically uh, was a bunch of farmers who came together and purchased that property, and they was not able to take that land from them. It, it, it stayed theirs for a long time until some laws had passed, and they were able to take it, and they sued for uh, almost $100 million recently, and now they got their land back um, after all these years. But while I was in prison in 2017, I started the process. I started filling out the application to make sure that I was able to do this uh, in our community. So when I came, uh, the address I chose was Lamar Park. So I was able to actually create a community land trust in our community. Um, the way it came about in Lamar Park to where we decided to use this as our vehicle to try and purchase our building, Tony, uh, who owns Hot and Cool, which is now called Aura and I, we were doing a lot of activations to try to stimulate community um, during the pandemic. And Juneteenth was coming, and we were kind of bickering about which corporation we was going to partner with and who was going to partner with them. And we were kind of looking, it was kind of sounding 
like really, really like crabs at a barrel. Uh, and we snapped out of it. It was like, yo, we need to really concentrate on how we can lift us because when all of this, this energy is over with, it's just going to be us standing here and we're going to have to look at each other and figure out what, what did we do when the opportunity was actually there. And so at that moment, uh, we decided to actually go out and try and purchase this building. And I told him about the land trust and how we can do it. And he, at that point, he was just like, look, man, let's make this happen. And we got other business owners involved, and we contacted Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo, you know, was known for just doing a lot of terrible things uh, to our community. And uh, through one of their their owners, one of their um, uh the bank manager that was there, we've done a lot of financial literacy programs. And when we did these financial literacy programs, we started creating a rapport with the community. And at a certain point, the CEO of Wells Wells Fargo wanted to come to um, Los Angeles and kind of meet with us. And so when he came, you know, we talked about the community and what was needed, but we really concentrated on ownership. And we talked to them about the fact that the owner of the property is going to eventually put this building up for sale because of all the activity that's happening over here. And he really doesn't have a a stake in this community. And he kind of mentioned to me, the CEO, that there was some funding available to kind of assist situations like this. And I was like, look, man, this is our plan. This is what we want to do. We want to redevelop this space to create affordable uh, retail spaces so people don't have to spend 60% of their income on on the actual rent, they can actually concentrate on giving people a living wage as opposed to, um, you know, low-income housing. If people can actually afford whatever developer decides to come up in here who doesn't have a heart or there's some gentrification moves, if the people are getting paid an actual living wage where they can actually afford it, uh, I think um, affordable retail is probably the way to go. And this is why we came up with this unusual, because most community land trusts is about housing and making sure people get get to stay and, and not be pushed out. I wanted to do it to where it's about commercial facility where these single moms who are on the street actually can have a brick and mortar and actually be able to sell product and um, meet the taste level of their community. You know, this is the largest concentration of black millionaires in Los Angeles, you know, and we have to meet their taste level. You know, a lot of the businesses now are really interested in trying to get people from other races to come into the community because uh, they feel as though that's the only way they're going to survive because they don't believe that our our community can, can support them um, properly. And uh, so that's the issue that we have to deal with. But this community land trust to get back on track is uh, a community-led organization, um, the stakeholders from this community, the vendors in this community, the retailers in this community are all on the on the actual land trust, and nothing um, takes place unless it's a majority vote. And so that's what the community land trust is. It's the community ownership making um, space for community to be able to actually come in and develop um, as opposed to gentrifying our community. Talking with Akil West and you, this is KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud. loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. Heard any other talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. 
Absolutely you are. And we appreciate you. Get the app. Connect with us on social media. KBLA 1580 is the address. That's the name of the app. That is our website, kbla1580.com. Talking now with Akil West, who's an entrepreneur and a community activist, the CEO of Lamert Park's Soul Folks. And um, I want to make sure that people know how to connect with you and the organizations before we run out of time, because the clock goes fast when you're live on the radio. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can contact us. At uh, Soul Folks on Instagram and Facebook, that's F-O-L-E, like the soul of your shoe, folks. And also at soulfolks.com. And also 50, I'm sorry, 4317 Degnan Boulevard. We're right next to Right On Bike Shop, uh, Aura Cafe, Haroon, and Queen Amina's in the Park. Excellent. And you said we need to do everything we can to get the word out and market talking about the parking challenge in Lamert Park, which is going to grow because I see those buildings going up and I assume there will be humans there that will have cars. So what is it that we need to get the word out about while we have this moment on this platform? I think um, turning Lamert Park into a cultural destination. Um, I think we should like really turn this into like a black arts district. Um, I talked to like uh, assemblyman. I talked to the mayor yesterday. We had a, um, a community forum at Aura, and we talked about that. We talked about getting funding from the city um, so we could be prepared for the Olympics and the World Cup and things like that. We, you know, they they throw that around a lot, but and say, hey, that's this is going to happen, and be be ready for that. But in order for us to get the federal dollars, the, the city dollars, to actually Make sure that these businesses up are up and ready and can handle that kind of traffic. We need to start now, and um, and and that's 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 the number one thing, man. I believe, um, and also support some of these new developments that are happening. You know, there's a grocery store that's going to be happening in the community. You know, the community rallied to get the liquor store closed, and um, that's around the corner on on the Mert. That's gonna be closed. And now the owners are deciding to open up a grocery store. We need to support them and support those those places. You know, we're losing a lot of um grocery stores in our community. Um and so there's not places to go and get organic vegetables and seed seeded grapes and stuff like that. So we gotta support the, the farmers market that is happening on Sunday. Um and where where these uh local farmers are actually bringing produce to our community. We have to support the Lion and um, uh, Liberty Liberty Trust uh, Community Land Trust that 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 are bringing produce to the community for free with uh, Jordana. Those 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 people they need to be supported. You know, support organizations like Black Owned and Operated that are supporting entrepreneurs and merchants association who are helping people in need. And you know, our our, our city council. That, you know, when they're trying to get things passed to make sure that um, these businesses can survive, you know, we need people in the office and, and, and in, in the city to make sure that they can, they can streamline it. You know, um, Heather Hutt, she, um, she gave us a grant. You know, there's a, there's a grant to help us out. And we're still waiting on those funds. And that's deep inside the city. That's beyond her, you know. It's, it's, it's not her fault that we haven't received the money that we need so we can now go and purchase products so we can be ready for the holidays. But when we are ready for the holidays, 
we need our black people to come and support these black businesses because we need it most. You know, Sika and Queen Amina, you know, Queen Amina is finally getting on social media and learning this mm-hmm. through organizations like Vermont Slauson that, that is teaching her how to market her business at her fine age. She's, I mean, every day you see a post from Queen Amina showing what she has to offer. And it's a beautiful thing that she's able to evolve and, um, you know, inspire us young people to utilize these platforms that we grew up learning, like, the back of our hands. So it's, it's a beautiful thing, man, that's happening there. But we do need to create this cultural destination um, in Lemur Park and get the funding and let these black people from all of these places, they're coming from Chicago, New York, know that this is the Mecca. This is where you go. And it's not downtown L.A. It's not the Valley. It's Lemur Park right here in South Central. To be honest with you, I've always felt that Lamert Park was a black arts district. I don't think that's a new concept. I think you're right. It needs to be marketed, expanded. And I'm so mm-hmm. grateful for the work that you guys are doing, particularly mm-hmm. in bringing unity. Because I've mm-hmm. observed over the years, I remember the crazy battle over, are we going to change the name? Is it going to be Africatown? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Lamert Park? Is it mm-hmm. going to be something mm-hmm. else? African Village and the vendors... Mm-hmm fighting each other at the, the actually it was mostly brick and mortars back then. Cause we didn't have that vendor mm-hmm. culture and mm-hmm. to see folks come together for me, that's a huge, huge uh, advancement. I always felt sad that we didn't own those buildings with all of the yeah. black money that we have in this town that why didn't we own all of these buildings? I know some vendor, some uh, owners, like the property you're in, were resistant to selling, like the one mm-hmm. where the Center for Black Power is, were resisting mm-hmm. selling. And now yep. those properties are Black-owned. To me, that is huge. And these are wins that I just don't think we celebrate enough. Yeah, I'm catching a chill right now just thinking about that. Yeah, man, our building was the last purchase. And every building on that block is now Black-owned, you know. But even having these buildings being black owned, black ownership do have a responsibility to not leave blight in our community. And the fact that those buildings are all black owned and we still have vacancies on that block when there's entrepreneurs every day dreaming of opening up places there. You know, you can't, we, we have to push a hard line on those people too. Give us your plan. Let us know what you're doing with this corner right. lot right next to this amazing theater. Why is this setting blight for so long? Why is Queen Amina sitting there with no lease, right, where she's on a month-to-month, where she can't properly, you know, you can't create a business plan if you don't know if you're going to be there for the next two years. You know, there's no, you can't, you can't do that. Why is she sitting dormant next to two vacant spaces? What are you doing? And, you know, those are the things that are also leading to blight. And you're correct. It's all black-owned businesses. So we need to figure out what's happening with that. It's not all about the city. It's not all about white people sometimes. Sometimes we we do that as well. And we need to figure that out. And we need to have an open forum about it. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm -hmm. Let's do it on this Mm -hmm. show. Let's talk about it. I believe that accountability is key, even with black ownership, Mm -hmm. or maybe especially with black ownership. So it's an excellent point. But I'm also heartened mm-hmm. because I've been around long enough to remember when none of the businesses on those blocks that you're talking about were inside of black owned buildings. So it's certainly exactly. a huge step mm-hmm. forward. 
Molly Bell straight mm-hmm. out of Compton over here texting me. She's got a great point. She says, um, Norman Lear passed today, the creator of the mm-hmm. Jeffersons. Rest in peace, Mr. Lear. We'll talk about that more in the third hour of the show. But she's connecting mm-hmm. the dots to Marla Gibbs, who was the original owner of the vision. So now we uh, have a local angle to that and you know the importance going way back of black culture and our wealth, our creativity on that space, that black cultural Mecca. Yeah. So what would you leave us with this morning, Akil West? Yeah. Yeah. I I think I I want to leave you with, you know, the spirit of of Marla Gibbs, you know, Marla Gibbs, she fought so hard to keep this community together. You know, she just happened to be there during the time of the 92 riots. There was, there was no, um, there was no funding from the city to help her, um, actually, you know, save her, save her property. People start, they, they stopped, you know, doing a lot of, uh, concerts and activities and plays in Lamar Park because everything was burned down. There was nothing. And then the city took it from her and now it belongs to the city. And, um, you know, now this is the same venue that's we're looking for to actually re- revitalize this community um, and utilizing the same concepts and the precepts that she actually wanted to develop, which is uh, which is crazy. But but now, you know, we have all these young black people coming in, like the uh, neighborhood skate shop, and um, they're revitalizing. I just think that the community needs to come and support these businesses and, um, you know, assist them in ways of uh, financial support. You know, it's, it's necessary. It's, it's, it's dormant in, in Lamar Park right now, and it's the holiday season. Uh, on the 15th, we're going to be doing a wonderful event with CD10 where we're going to be bringing in uh, Ferris wheels and all the snow and ice skating and uh, awesome. performances and all the black vendors are going to be there. It's going to be amazing. Got to leave it there. But Akil West, thank you so much. Great to talk with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You too. Thank you so much.